You know, in the Gospel of John, Jesus spoke seven unique statements about himself. He said, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the way and the truth and the light. But the most outrageous claim Jesus made is found in John chapter 11. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. You know, death is one of those subjects that most of us don't like to talk about. Yet, we experience death in many ways. Like just, just think about it, whether it's physical death of losing a loved one or maybe the, the death of a relationship or the demise of a dream. And for many of us, death can mean the end of hope. Like some of you know, like the, the worst and hardest year of my life was in 2008. Kelly and I were just coming out of a time of difficulty with a pregnancy and then adjusting to the birth of our twins. And then on April the 8th of that year, I got one of those frantic phone calls in the middle of the night from my mother. Her words kind of just sputtered out of her mouth as she told me that my dad was being rushed to the hospital. She, she had found him unconscious next to the treadmill where he had been running and exercising. And she said she was going to follow the ambulance to the hospital and she would call back later with an update. I remember after she had hung up, I grabbed my wife and Kelly and I prayed for my dad's well-being. We prayed for my mom as she was like potentially watching her husband die before her eyes. I remember as we prayed, it seemed like all hope was lost. And based on what my mom had said about my dad's condition, it didn't seem like there would be any chance for a positive outcome. You know, sooner or later, we're all going to get some bad news. You get the layoff notice on a Friday as you, you clock out of work, or the papers for the divorce are handed to you, or the rejection letter comes from the college that you applied for. Like sooner or later, we all get bad news. Like you add that to a worldwide pandemic, and quickly we can feel like life is crashing around us. You know, the scene when Jesus makes that audacious claim that he is the resurrection and the life is a scene where people are getting hopeless news. John 11, chapter 11, verse 1 says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. You know, the name of this congregation, Bethany Christian Church, comes from that place where this scene is unfolding. Bethany is a suburb of Jerusalem, just a couple miles outside of the city walls, there live some of Jesus' closest friends, Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus. Lazarus is uh, one of Jesus' best friends. And Jesus is told that he is, he's sick. That Lazarus has, he has a problem. I don't know if he went to the doctor and he showed up at the office and he had a cough or had a virus or they found a lump. I just know that doctors of that day, they shook their heads at Lazarus' condition and they looked at the family and they said, there's nothing, there's nothing we can do. And so their, their, their family's back is against the wall. There's nothing more that could be done for Lazarus but just to reach out to Jesus for help. You know, we all, we all go through seasons of pain and trial where there's nothing that we can do to eradicate or to ease the suffering we're going through. We all get news like this where the pain is unavoidable, like news like I received one night that my dad was unresponsive. Listen, I know for, for some of you right now, this is a great season. Like you to be home with family, you're making the most out of it. But I think for the majority of us, 
uh, it's been some of the hardest times of life. Like every problem, remember, carries its own pain, and that pain is personally tailored. Like the loss of a job or maybe cancer returns, the, the relationship breaks apart, you get sick and the doctor doesn't have a vaccine. Maybe right now the isolation is more than you can bear, and you're starting to crack, like mentally and emotionally. In John chapter 11, verse 4 says, When Jesus heard the bad news, he said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. He said that this suffering that they're going through is going to bring God glory. And let me just remind you right now in this moment, this thing that you're going through right now may not look like the worst thing, or it may be the worst day you've ever had, but God is going to do something absolutely amazing with it. God's going to bring good out of the bad. Now, everyone is believing that Jesus is going to like rush to Bethany and go to Lazarus and heal him. I mean, this is his best friend. I mean, Jesus has done this a hundred times before with others. Why wouldn't he do this for his friend? But what, what, what does Jesus do? Uh, he, he, he does he does nothing. Actually, he waits for two days just to make a decision as to what to do. And then finally, Jesus says, let's go to Bethany and let's see Lazarus. You know, during that time, the family is, is like freaking out. They're wondering where Jesus is. They're, they're waiting on God to do a miracle, but God isn't showing up. And the family's freaking out and Jesus is hanging out. He has no urgency I want, I want you to look at three people in this story. Three people who had broken dreams that day. And out of the three there, someone is there that you can identify with in today. Like first, there's Thomas, whose dreams were broken by doubt. Thomas is famous for his nickname. You know what it is, Doubting Thomas. We, we see this in verse 16. It says, Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. Now, I, I know you don't hear it or maybe read it in what he is saying, but what he is saying is actually sarcastic towards Jesus. That Thomas totally has his doubts here. That this going to Beth, Bethany thing is going to turn out good. Like he has his doubts and that makes him feel hopeless because the last time Jesus and his disciples were at Bethany, the religious leaders attempted to kill Jesus. And Thomas is saying, we're going to go and see a dead man and we'll be dead men ourselves. Yeah, Jesus, let's go to Bethany. That sounds like a good plan. So Thomas probably thinks that it could be a trap set by the religious leaders to lure Jesus back to Bethany, and he doubts Jesus' decision. Okay, I know I'm speaking to many of you who have doubts right now. You, you may even have some spiritual doubts, and you're asking questions like, if God is really in control, if he's all sovereign, why doesn't he relieve us of this pandemic? Some of you asked God to restore a broken relationship, but he didn't restore your marriage. Many of us have prayed prayers asking God to do for us what he could do or would, but he didn't. And now we have doubts. We, we, we prayed, but nothing happened. And we think, how can God just allow all this stuff to happen to me when he can stop it at any time? And so, so we start to doubt. We even doubt if God cares. We doubt if he's in control. Some of us even doubt his existence. Perhaps your dreams have been broken by doubt. Like Thomas, you're, you're thinking, nothing good is going to come from all of this bad that I'm surrounded by. 
Okay, then there's, then there's Mary, the sister of Lazarus. Maybe you identify with her. Her dreams were broken by discouragement. You know, by the time Jesus arrives at Bethany, Lazarus is already dead. He is, or she is rather, so hopeless about what is going on in her life that she doesn't go out to meet Jesus when he arrives. In verse 20, it says, Martha went out to meet Jesus, but Mary, she stayed, she stayed home. I don't know, maybe she could have been angry with Jesus for not showing up sooner uh, to heal her brother, or she was so grieved that maybe she couldn't gather her strength to make the two-mile walk to visit with Jesus. I, I don't know. I, I, I know that for, for Mary, life wasn't turning out as she had hoped it would. I, I think most would agree that, that these are pretty discouraging days that we're in right now. Like, we're trying to make the most of it. Let, let's admit, though, we're missing out on some very special moments and it seems like every time I check my calendar, another special event has been canceled, like the close out of school, and teachers are going to miss saying goodbye to their students, students are going to miss saying goodbye to their teachers, seniors may not have prom or graduation ceremonies to celebrate at the conclusion of the year, parents are celebrating the birth of their children without visitors to celebrate with them at the hospital, vacation plans, wedding plans, Easter dinners, all canceled. And then they're, then they're like the little things, okay, like the things that really don't mean much, but can get us really grumpy. Like there's, there's no more NBA, no more opening day baseball. Little league, youth sports have stopped and may not s start back up again for the season. And we, we've tried to see the good in some of that, but most of us are, are heartbroken. We're discouraged. Like we're celebrating Resurrection Sunday at home, doing the best we can to celebrate the greatest day in the history of the world. And we're not together. Mary, she, she feels hopeless. Like her dreams have been broken by the discouragement. And she thinks, why go out and meet Jesus? Uh, my brother's already dead. There's nothing that can be done for him now. Maybe, maybe some of you have gone down into a pit of discouragement these days. And, and now you're thinking, well, why, why bother in meeting with Jesus? This is our new normal anyway. So like, why even petition for God to change something? Like, I'll always feel anxious, I'll always be isolated, I'll always feel this fear, or I'll always be depressed. Could it be said of you that the discouragement in these days is driving you to feelings of hopelessness? Or perhaps uh, the person you relate to in this story is Martha. Her dreams were broken by delay. You know, one of the things that is universally true about us is we hate to wait. Like, just a moment of honesty here and truth. At my home, we upped our internet speed because we were tired of watching the little wheel spin as Netflix was buffering. <laughs> when we send a text message, like, I think most of us expect an immediate response. And, and we go, why isn't that little bubble showing back up again? Should, they should be responding by now. They should be texting me back. And I'm impatiently waiting, you know, for that moment when we can return together under the same roof and praise God in a unified voice in this building. It just... We just are impatient people. You know, verse 17 in John 11 says, On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Four days. It took Jesus four days to travel two miles to Bethany. Guys, that's a delay. And by that time, Lazarus wasn't just dead. He was dead, dead. And by now, the body had started to decay. And Martha even says to Jesus in verse 21, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, 
if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Like, like how, many times, how many times have you ever thought that? God, if you had been here, if you had just shown up when I had asked you, when I prayed, if you would have come through like I begged for you to come through, my life would be different. My dreams wouldn't be broken. My marriage would be whole. My health would be restored. My house wouldn't have been foreclosed on. God, if only you had shown up when I called on you, my dreams wouldn't be broken. Like right now, you might be thinking, God, why, why are you delaying? Why aren't you saving the day like Superman flying in and saving the earth? What's taking you so long to stop this madness of our world? You know, after I hung up that phone with my mom that night, uh, Kelly and I prayed, and we prayed and asked God for a miracle. And I remember waiting, thinking, shouldn't we have some news by now? Like, shouldn't, shouldn't she be calling back with some, with some news? It's not that far to the hospital from her house. Like, why isn't she calling back with an update. And the more minutes that went by, the more I started to doubt and the discouragement piled up because of the delay. You know, everything looked bad for Martha that day. And she, she says to Jesus in verse 22, but I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Even now. She says, even now in this moment, Jesus, I know that God can redeem this, this bad thing, and do something good. Like, don't miss how hope-filled that phrase is, even now. And Martha, Martha is clearly broken. So she turns to Jesus, even though life is not going as planned, and she turns to Jesus and says, my hope can only be found by giving this pain, giving this problem, giving this suffering, this trial to you, Jesus. Even now, God can do something impossible. Hey, maybe this Easter, you need to have, you need to have an even now moment with God. Like even now, in the middle of this mess and stress, God may may be your peace. Even now in my anxiousness, God, you may be my security. Even now in my depression, God, may you be my positive presence in my life. Even now in the gloom, in the uncertainty, in the insecurity, in the anxiety, and in the fear, even now with my life turned upside down, my hope is that Jesus can do something good with my bad. It's, it's not too late. Even now in the midst of your broken life. God can come in and bring restoration to your family. Even now, God can heal your broken heart. Even now, God can give purpose to this pandemic. Even now, though you have been cold to the things of God, you can open up your heart to him and to his purpose and plan that he has for you. My mom, my mom had called back like 20 minutes later after she first hung up. and Like, I wish I could sit here and tell you that that call um, went something like this. Matt, God showed up. And your dad is alive and well. Okay, that's, that's, not, how, that's not how that call went that evening. Um, she just tearfully said, 
He didn't make it. He's dead. You know, at that moment, it seemed like my, my, my dreams were crushed. I had no clue what tomorrow was going to be like. I, it was hard to imagine that God could do anything good at that moment. I, I remember feeling lost, alone. I remember wondering, who's going to take care of my mom? Who's going to love my kids like my dad loved my kids? Who's going, to tell, who's going to tell the jokes and the stories around the table at family gatherings? I remember asking God why, why, why he didn't do a miracle and save my dad from death. And, and then I had this wave. I remember it like so distinctly, this wave of peace and calm that swept over me as all that flood of despair came on me. This wave quickly overran it all. Something like, as a believer, I can, I can honestly say is impossible to truly describe it to you. It was, it was so calming. It was God's calming whisper saying, Matt, I'm in control. I, I've got this. You're going to be okay. I'll make meaning out of this mess. Y you know, God is bringing you through this moment. And this moment that he's bringing you through is going to be a testimony so that you will bring somebody else through this mess. Guys, no mess, no message. There is hope. And hope is simply believing the way things are right now is not the way things are going to be. You see, Jesus is about to do an incredible miracle in just a moment. But did you notice that everyone, everyone that is around him, has abandoned hope. Everyone in the story so far has only talked about death except Jesus. Now, he's talking about life. And it's interesting that when Jesus talks about Lazarus dying, he says, Lazarus has fallen asleep. Like everyone is hopeless. They're in mourning. They're talking death. But Jesus, no, 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 no. Jesus is talking life in Martha's uh, even now moment. Jesus turns to her and says in verse 23, Martha, your brother will rise again. And like Martha answers, I, I know he'll rise in the resurrection on the last day. She's like, you know, I I've heard that pleasantry before Jesus. It's not going to make me feel any better right now. I get it. He's in a better place. We'll meet again. It's almost as Martha dismisses Jesus' talk about the resurrection and life as like a bit of a hollow hope. And, and then this is when Jesus makes the most amazing claim about himself. Jesus says to her, I, I am the resurrection and I am the life. And the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never, not, never die. And then he looks over at Martha and he says, do you believe this? So Jesus, Mary, Martha, the disciples, and this huge crowd of mourners walk to the tomb where Lazarus had been buried and there's this huge stone that's covering the entrance of the tomb. Verse 39 of John 11, Jesus said, roll the stone aside. And here's Martha. Like Martha, uh, the dead man's sister, protests and says, Lord, uh, he's been dead for four days. And, and I just love the practicalness of her. The smell will be terrible. Martha's first instinct is that the smell of decomposition is going to be overwhelming. And she's like, Jesus, what you're about to do is not going to be pleasant. It's not going to turn out good. They still couldn't see. They, st they, still, they still couldn't see that Jesus was about to do something miraculous. They were still overtaken with death and hopelessness and, and the despair of their situation and the darkness of their suffering. They couldn't see, they couldn't see the light of the world. 
They couldn't see the life giver before them, the great physician, the prince of peace, the wonderful counselor, the bread of life. They couldn't see the resurrection and the life was right there with them, with them at the tomb, in their sorrow, with them, in their pain. Like all of the hurt, all of the delay, all of the discouragement, all of that doubt had left them paralyzed in hopelessness. And in that moment, Jesus thanks God for the power that he has over death. And verse 43, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. Scriptures say his hands and feet were wrapped with strips of linen and the, the cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. And Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead and the first command he gave was to get rid of the old grave clothes. Get rid of what was bound, has bound you up and held you back that has kept you from life. All the dead stuff you're wrapped up in has been holding you back from the resurrection and the life that Jesus brings. And the news, the news of that miracle, of course, spread like wildfire. It, it made its way through the religious community and the religious leaders heard about it. Those same religious leaders who had plotted Jesus' death and just within days of this miracle, Jesus was arrested. He was brought through a false trial. He was beaten and flogged and then forced to carry his own cross through a crowd of jeering people through the city of Jerusalem. He's nailed to that cross in the middle of two criminals hanging there to die for my sins and your sins. And friends, just so you know, the cross isn't a decoration. It's a declaration of God's love for you. It's the extent he went for so you could be forgiven by God for your sins to become a new creation. And now that, now that body that called Lazarus out of the grave is, is wrapped up in grave clothes and locked in a tomb, and Jesus was taken off the cross and placed in a borrowed tomb. Borrowed, why? Because he only needed it for three days. Because on Easter morning, everything changed. The eyes that closed on the cross were opened in the tomb. The hands that went limp behind the nails straightened in the dark. The body that was killed on the hill was brought back to life in the grave and walked out of the tomb, leaving it empty. Friends, Jesus is alive. And Jesus had taught, in this world, you're going to have some trouble. But take heart, he says, I have overcome the world. Like in this world, you'll have trouble. Will there be struggle in life? Yeah. Will there be pain in life? Yep. Will you have doubts? Yes. Will you be discouraged? Yes. Will there be death? Yep. But friend, Jesus has overcome. He can go beyond what you can. He can do the impossible. Do you believe that? Do you believe that even in the darkness right now, Jesus can redeem it and give it life-giving purpose? Do you believe that Jesus can take what you considered lost and restore it, resurrect it? Do you believe that God can make a way when there doesn't seem to be a way? Do you, be, do you believe that he is the resurrection and the life? Friends, hope is simply believing that the way things are right now is not the way things are going to be. Hope is confidence in a faithful God to do what you thought could never be done. And even if God doesn't respond to the crisis in the way that you've asked him to, hope trusts that God will redeem the mess and turn it into a life-giving message.
that he'll turn this test and turn it into a testimony, that he'll take this trial and turn it into a triumph, that he will resurrect what we cannot bring back to life and restore the dreams that we thought were dead. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and I am the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this, he asks. Gosh, what a brilliant question. What a brilliant thing Jesus does. He says, I'll leave it up to you. If you want peace during your problems and pain, if you want confidence instead of worry, if you desire hope when all hope seems lost, Jesus says, I am your man. Do you believe this? If you believe, if you believe that for the first time today, man, I'm asking you to take a next step. I'm asking you to declare Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life, to be baptized into Christ, to get rid of the old grave clothes that you've been living in and leave that old life behind and run to God and begin your walk with him.